podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Luton 1, Liverpool 1 in the Premier League from Kenilworth Road are Dave Hendrick and Jim Boardman. Dave, it's probably bad form to quote yourself, but it sums up what I was going to say to you best, uh, the tweet that I just put out before we started where I said, well, that's an appalling result to an appalling team supported by an appalling shower of shit in an appalling hole of a ground after an appalling performance. Uh, that's how I feel. What about you? <laughs> well, I, I actually have uh, quite a soft spot for Kenilworth Road, but I do agree with everything else involved in, in that tweet. Um, they are crap, and the football they play is crap. And the only reason that they got anything from the game today was that we somehow managed to play at their level, which was completely unacceptable. I mean, you look at the just the raw numbers, 74% of the ball, 24 shots to 8, 6 on target to 5. We could claim that we were unlucky with certain moments in the game. Darwin did miss a sitter that I'd say will haunt him for a little while. But in the end, it, it kind of felt like we were even fortunate just to get out of there with a point. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people will, will say, oh, well, it's a one-off and whatever else. But, like, that's not the first time we've played really poorly this season. We were not good on the opening day at all. We were as bad on the opening day as we were today. We weren't great against Bournemouth. We weren't great against Newcastle. We were dreadful the first half against Wolves. But we got through all of those games. You know, we were awful for large spells down at Brighton. We got through that game and got a draw. Today was just, I mean, we talk about, you know, the galaxy brained idea of Trent inverting into midfield and it wasn't working at all today. And it was making us really narrow against the team that plays in a way that they defend comfortably if you want to play through the middle of the park because they're packing things in there. They're basically playing with a very com- compact back seven and then having two lads that can run fast on the wings and one up front to try and get on the end of things. And we played right into that. And not to criticize him because it's not on him, but Joe Gomez playing on a left wing where you've got Gravenberg who also wants to come in field and doesn't really seem to grasp the concept of holding with and Diogo Jota who, you know, is a good player and, and does a lot of things well, isn't a winger either. Like, he wants to be in central positions. So now we've got nothing moving down the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, you've got 
Dominic, who again wants to be central, and you've got Mo, who wants to be central. And the player that should be giving us that width is Trent, who we are voluntarily putting in the middle. So that inability to stretch them out across the pitch and create space purely by playing wider is gone. And now everything is right into where they have strength in numbers. No individual quality, but numbers. And if you're two against three, more often than not, the three will win out by strength in numbers. And that's where we've let ourselves down today. And even when we made the changes, and I didn't understand the decision to bring off Dominic and leave on Gravenberg. Didn't understand that one at all, personally. Um, Costas comes on at left back for Gomez. So now we have one option of width. And we still keep Trent in the middle. So plan A was this Trent inverted street football, whatever that's meant to be. And plan B was give it out to Costas and spam a bunch of crosses in, which for any semi-well-coached team is quite easy to defend against if you've got strength in numbers. Like, I I thought we were just really badly set up today. Didn't think the subs were the right ones. The players coming on were the right ones. It was the players going off I had issue with. And, like, we've just, we've, we've allowed them to get a point from us today. And that's a terrible result because the rest of the good teams are going to, are going to run up the score against them and, and win home and away. I mean, Chelsea battered them. Like, Chelsea battered them. Chelsea are garbage. Villa beat them very, very comfortably. comfortably. Burnley went there and won. Spurs won there with 10 men. Fulham beat them. West Ham went there and won. Wolves got a point against them with 10 men. Brighton wiped the floor with them. Like, they got a, a point off... Um, Wolves, when Wolves are 10 men, they got a point off Forrest, who should have had them dead and buried, and they beat Everton. They're not the teams we should be getting mentioned with. They're no. teams right down at the foot of the table. It has this, uh, th- th- today's outing alone, and by the way, just for the record, I know, I know you were never high on any concept of, of league challenge, and I know you're also not one of these fannies who's just gonna jack it in, even if you were, on the back of today's Comparative uselessness. I, I still hope and feel that we, we will just recover and still be in and around it. The table is still not that appalling when you look at, um, all things considered. Um, but an awful lot of people, the, the, the gloom and doom and negativity is, is, is knee jerk and understandable. You, you're allowed to say that's a shit performance without writing the team yeah. off entirely. And you're also allowed of to course. say, you know, you had, you had taken a stance that, yeah, I don't think we're going to have enough to win the league. And it would be really easy for you now to be crowing about it. Notably, no, not, no, no. A lot of dopes are though. You'll know. Yeah, that. of course they are. Of course. Yeah. That, but that's, that's the, the general knee jerk bullshit that we see all the time. Look, I don't think we have enough to win the league. Because I look at that City team and I just don't see us having the same strength and depth as they do. And they've also got just one or two things that I think we're lacking. They've got a more balance in defence. Even though I, I would take Ibu and Virgil over their centre-backs and I would take Trent over Kyle Walker, I think Gvardiol and Ake as their left-backs and left-back depth is is outstanding and it gives them a bit of an advantage. But the big thing then is they've got Rodri. Like, they have Rodri who sits in front of that, and we don't have anybody who does that job well. 
So that's the biggest knock for me. I just don't think you can win this league or the Champions League without a proper high-end holding midfielder. That's always been my stance. It's the biggest reason I was against the Gravenberg signing was very little to do with Gravenberg himself. It was to do with that doesn't fill the need that we have. Yeah, that I'm, does not address. It's the same reason I don't want us to buy Andre. He's, yeah. he's a really good player, and I would like him at the club if we had that holding midfielder. But, I mean, you look at this weekend, right? We've just gone above Arsenal with that point. So it's not doom and gloom. We've oh. gone above Arsenal. Aston Villa, who in their previous 37 games had taken 74 points, were one of the three best teams in the league for basically a year. They went to Nottingham Forest today and lost. So it's not doom and gloom. It's not doom and gloom at all. There's there's one outstanding team in this league, is Man City. And as long as we can keep somewhat of a pace with them, we will achieve our league goal this year, which is, you know, being in and around the mix, in the top four, not a million miles from City, not scraping in on the final day. I think our real goal this season for Silverware is is the, the cup competitions, and I think that's fine. Give me third and a cup double or treble right now, happily. You know, I'd, I'd much rather have that than go all the way to the final day and lose the title and end up potless. So... Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And Jim, I mean, again, it's just, it's important to get these bigger kind of, um, frustrations out of the way. That is the, the aim of the game around here in this podcast is to have those sort of raw emotions, get them out there. Quite often we'll have talked ourselves around into a different way of thinking by the end of the show. However, it is interesting, isn't it, that, you know, we get on Harvey and we get on Luis Diaz, the two lads hold a little bit of width. All of a sudden we did look dangerous in those last few minutes and, I would, I would have backed us to, to score had we another minute or two of that game. Often you wouldn't. So, I mean, you can see that, you know, w- w- with this squad, there's a lot going on, but you can't really have a day where, I know David's saying it was frustrating to see Sabozla going off, but that's just because you don't want to see him or a Mo Salah going off because they have a bit of magic about them. You know, McAllister had a bad day. The aforementioned Salah had a bad day. Lots of lads had bad days today, Jim. So, we can't really afford to have too many of us having them together. It felt as well, and again, I just you you have the misfortune of having to react to one of my ideas because they're rattling around in my brain. <laughs> I have to get them out here. I, I felt, especially after the first half, that we needed a lot more urgency in what was clear dominance. There was a sort of a that an eighties word lackadaisical is is a bit much. But we just didn't seem to have that little bit of extra thrust or, or penetration ability. Maybe on a different day, if one of those chances goes in, it starts to be a different game. But it felt a little bit, again, another 80s expression, a bit easy ozy or something. It was almost too easy for us. And I think this side, maybe even the manager, when you look at the way we're sort of a little bit tactically inept today, perhaps we have a tendency to complacency in certain because it's too much isn't it it's too much of coincidence that we play badly against these poor teams on such a regular basis yeah um i mean before the game i thought i mean i'll just get this out of the way as well i've not got a soft spot for kenilworth road the place that um that sucked up to margaret thatcher in the 80s with its membership scheme and its plastic pitch and yeah lots of other things i'm not a big fan of of kenilworth road myself um but yeah it's before the game, I thought to myself, here we go. This is going to be one of those games where you're in a sort of hostile, little close to the 
close to the pitch kind of a ground and we we see this happen to Liverpool, with Liverpool far too often that we kind of go to these places almost going half-hearted um it usually happens in the cup I've said this so many times um and I sort of felt like this could be the game today where it happens again where we'll do what we've done a lot and in, in other podca- podcasts I've sort of praised us in a way saying well eventually by the way apologies for fireworks that's not me celebrating anything um it's <laughs> if you can hear them in the background um it's not um it's, it's just not um the way we go about games far too often has been that kind of um just be patient just take your time and keep plugging away and eventually the goals will come and it, and it does work for us sometimes but for that to happen you've got to be putting the efforts in um it's more a case of don't be disappointed when you when you try to make a chance and it didn't quite come off, don't be disappointed when the keeper makes the save. It's it's more keep trying really, really hard. Don't be frustrated as such, you know, when your patience isn't working, but you still got to keep trying really hard. And it just feels like there's too many of these games where we kind of don't do the trying really hard bit. And then quite often um, we do get the break. We do get the look. We've got some really decent players and sometimes they only need one chance. Um, well, Darwin maybe needs two, but on the whole, you only need one chance. Back of the net goal, and you know, whatever's gone on for the last hour or whatever is forgotten. Um, I feel that sometimes we, you know, we sort of get to the 60 minute mark and you're thinking, right, well, we've been patient here. And this was my thinking today. We've been patient for an hour. Um, right. Now we need to turn the screw. Now we need to go up a gear. And we didn't. Um, you know, and things like putting Joe Gomez at left back. I understand that because Costas isn't really being the best left back since he signed his new contract. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, I understand that. But then that almost feels like it's a bit of an experiment. Let's try this out. Um, which kind of, you know, gives the whole game kind of experimental feeling that, you know, we're not putting everything into this. And, um, I was just disappointed in, in that whole game. Um, the whole attitude and I've seen it far too often. We should be. We, we've talked about games where we've won and we've gone, okay, we were patient, took a while, but eventually we got there and look, we got the three points. Um, but really we should have been going, my God, we've just not just got the three points. We've got six goals in the bag. We've got a hell of a goal difference now. Um, you know, we should be going out and annihilating teams because we've got the capability and, you know, <laughs> we, we've got such a good forward line and such good, you know, invention when we want it that we can beat teams by big scores if, to me if we put the effort in but it's just that it's that same old complacency that you know it's just that it just feels complacent it just feels laid back like no rush there's no hurry we'll get something in the end and um we are vulnerable on the counter you know we, t- we tend to get away with it because we've got one of the best well sorry we've got the best goalkeeper in the world at the back um but you know we can't always rely on him to bail us out he's it's quite close to a superhero, to a superhuman, but he's not quite there. So, you know, we, we've got to, you know, stop exposing him as much as we do. Um, and really, the only positive, the only positive I can think of from today, um, was right at the end was that the man we shouldn't have to rely on to rescue us rescued us. Um, and of all the people to do that, I'm glad it was him. You know, that was, that was an emotional moment. So that was a different kind of emotion for me that, you know, I was so glad to see him get the goal and see what it meant to him. Um, you could see, you know, what, what a man to, to come and play a game when your head must be all over the fucking place. Um, uh, proud of him, but, you know, what happened to the others? Where were the others? Why weren't they putting everything in? You know, if he can do that when he's going through this, where, where's the rest of the players? Where's the effort coming from? And I think, as you say, it's not just the effort from the players. It's the, it's the instructions from the side. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, 
I mean, I get it. Anthony Taylor's a pain in the ass, and I'd want to shout at him a lot through the game as well if he was stood near me. But, you know, stop focusing on that. Focus on what you're doing yourself. Focus on what you're telling your players to do. Um, I saw Harvey Elliott come on and put his fingers up to say four, you know, so we're going to change how we're playing slightly. Why did it take so long? I mean, it's not like we needed to even change players to do that. Um, but, you know, it just feels like everything's too little too late and today we ran out of time as you say um if there'd been another couple of minutes of time maybe we'd have we'd have got a second but there wasn't you know and we 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 ran out of time we ran out of ideas or um certainly didn't have enough ideas early on yeah i I think there's probably a, a, a minor contrast here in the fact that you and i are far more of the veteran status than our colleagues in terms of memories of of Luton and Kenilworth Road, somebody posted a picture of Steve See, Foster today. My, and, um, my memories are not of, <laughs> of Liverpool games there. My memories are of going to watch other teams play that's, Luton that's, that's exactly as a neutral, so I, I don't have that. As well. Yeah, yeah, like, I, my memories of Luton and Liverpool <laughs> are like, you know, you'll remember this, Trev, like, late 80s, early 90s, the games weren't on TV, so you'd listen on the radio. So, my memories of, of Liverpool playing Luton are listening on the radio to Liverpool versus Luton and talk of plastic pitches and my father ranting about plastic pitches and <laughs> me having absolutely no idea what he was talking about. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't have those, those memories and I don't have that, that political dissuasion against them because again, Thatcher's a bit before my, See, that's it. That's it. It's just, it's just that the, the, it's purely the demographic thing. And me and Jim mm. were just sort of there at that time when it was like just appall- appalling in every way, just a horrible set of lads. And I was just thinking, Jesus Christ, the only thing I need now on this afternoon is to see the ghost of Mick fucking Harford. And lo and behold, <laughs> there he was. <laughs> there he pops up. Director of football, the, Mick Harford, if you don't mind. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Director of Football McCarford, an, an absolute terrible man on a football pitch with the pointiest elbows uh, you can imagine. Anyway, we'll get into this because it does bear some analysis for sure, um, rather than the broader um, um, discussions that we've been having at the moment. We'll bear into a few of the details. We'll start, uh, Dave, just you and I really briefly with the Reds lineup because if we're being fair about it, um, I think everybody was quite pleased what appeared to be, at least in the face of it, a very, very strong team. Um, you could argue that it was the strongest 11 he could have gone with today with uh, Ali, Trent, Van Dijk, Kanate uh, and Gomez. I know you have your issues with that there. There will be people who make a case um, uh, for him ahead of Costas uh, on current form, perhaps on the current Costas. Anyway, 
four very good defenders, four very good midfielders in, in Max, Bosley and Gravenberg. And then the front three of Salah, Jota and Nunes. Given all that's going on with Luis Diaz is probably as strong as we could have gone, I think. Probably fair enough to say that. And we did then have a strongish looking bench with Diaz there, with Gakpo there, Elliot, Simicus to come on, Matt Abdok and Kwanzaa. Um, we're starting to, uh, you know, look very healthy on match days at the moment. Um, alas, that on paper, miles ahead superiority did not translate on the day. I think about the Reds lineup that you want to um, just poke a, a finger or two into there. It's just the Gomez thing. I mean, look, I, I don't have an issue with Joe playing on a left back if he's going to be a left-sided centre-back, but you know, or even if we're going to play a traditional back four and Trent is going to stay as a right back, so at least we have width on one side, but when, when we don't have any width and you're asking Joe to provide width up the left-hand side, that's where I take umbrage. It's not that Joe's a right-footed fullback. Joe's a right-footed centre-back being asked to play out of position in a position where we need a natural lefty for real width. Because, as I said, Gravenberg and Jota just will not hold that width. So that's where I have issue. I mean, three of the best left-backs to ever play the game are right-footed, Maldini, Irwin and Bremer. Some of the best we've seen in recent years, Aspilicueta, Philippe Lam, when he played there for Stuttgart and Bayern in his early days, they're both right-footed. So it's not that right-footers can't play there and have great success. It's that right-footers can't play there and have success when they're A, a centre-back, and B, you're asking to be the primary width out there. That's where the issue comes in. And that's where we like we missed Costas today. Because even with his form not being the best, the role suits him a lot better than it's going to suit Joe Gomez. Um, so I, I just thought that sort of played into their hands. I thought the midfield was about right, um, given Curtis wasn't available. Had Curtis been available, you would have wanted him in for, for Gravenberg. Um, I would have preferred to see Cody start over Jota, but, you know, in credit to Jota, he, he did okay. He had a decent game. Uh, based on the standards of those around him. And by general standards, I wouldn't have said he was good, but based on the, the river of shite that was flowing around him, he was okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to both of you about how the various units of the team worked. You've already flagged up a patent issue there with the defence and um, the much-vaunted um, tactical innovation uh, that's having a knock-on effect on the team there. And we will do that, of course, but just really quickly with you as well, because I know you, you you had this look ahead to um, this game um, during the week as well. And then I'll give Jim his chance on both teams. Um, you were quite scathing about them there in your opening remarks. They went with Kaminsky, Kabore, who you know looked a bit like a world beater against us at times. Mm. Osho, who last I, I, I heard of was a cult leader in the 80s. Uh, Lockyer, Mengi, Doughty, who looks like a, a proper footballer at times, certainly around a dead ball. Nikamba, uh, the marvellous uh, Nikamba. Ogbeni, who again had a very, very good afternoon against us. Ross Frick and Barkley. Morris and Andros Townsend and their two veteran Premier League heads uh, starting for them today. They have a bench which <laughs> which features Krull, Adebayo who came on, Shang who came on to great effect, Panzu, Clark, Brown, Giles, Nelson and Luger. Nobody's quaking when they see that bench, Dave. Um, 
they did seem, and much as it pains me to agree with uh, Jamie Carragher on anything, they did seem to go 5-4-1. That seems to be very much their thing is, look, we're not going to concede piles of goals. We'll sit in and maybe we'll get something on set pieces or on a counter-attack. And, I mean, it's classic teams just up from the lower division tactics. I mean, do we just have to take our hats off to that? Yeah, you do, because they they set up to play how they wanted to play, and we played right into their hands. Look, you look through their team, Kaminsky's a player who's a career championship player. Menji didn't make the grade at United, didn't look particularly good on a couple of loans. Lockyer's a career lower league player. Osher's a lower league player. Nakamba, we saw him at Villa. He, the, the guy wasn't good enough to play for Villa when Villa were poor. Barkley has had a very broken career of good one game, crap for five, injured for six, back for two, plays one of them well then gets hurt again, then comes back, looks poor, gets dropped. You don't see him again. Um, he struggled to, you know, struggled in the French League last year. Um, he's, he's not a Premier League caliber player every, every week anymore for anyone else. Alfie Dowd, he's a good, he's a good set piece taker, but he's not like, he's not one of the 15 best left backs in a league that doesn't have a great amount of left backs, do you know? Kabore, I do really like, but they don't own him. He's in on loan from City. Andros Townsend was has missed over a year of football with a knee injury. Before that, wasn't very good for a number of years. Ogbene is a career lower league player. Now, I have a lot of fondness for him. He does a very nice job for Ireland. He's a very quick player, and, and he's clever. He knows how to win free kicks. And Carl Morris, I, I do quite like. But again, he's a career lower league player. There's not one player in that team who's proven themselves to be a good Premier League player. There's lads with Premier League experience, but not one good Premier League player proven in that group. And the same thing with the bench. I mean, Heat John came on, he must have won about seven free kicks. The whole purpose of him coming on was to win free kicks. And every single time he lured one of our idiots into it, he won a free kick. So he did his job. Mm. Adebayo is the, the absolute definition of a big grok to go up front. And Jacob Brown, I mean, he didn't really do a whole lot when he came on, but you look at the rest and like, there's no one else there. You're not, you're not scared of any of these players. Like, these are, these are players that if we met them in, in a, in a league cup game, if we played Luton with the exact same team they had and they were a championship team and we threw them in the Carabao Cup, we would be expecting Jurgen to play the reserves, the same group of lads that played against Leicester in the, third, second or third round of the League Cup, whatever that was. That's the team we'd be expecting. You know, we wouldn't be expecting to play our best team and struggle. We'd be expecting to put out the second string and to beat them 3 or 4-1. Yeah. So when we're putting out our, our best two or close to best to 11, you really do expect them to go and get the job done. And and look, the, the, the thing is, this game is 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 weird and we'll obviously we're going to get into it, but I mean, we could easily have been 3-0 up after 25 minutes. And if that, if that happens, if we take those chances, we'd probably go on and batter them. Yeah. And even if we didn't play a whole lot better than we did today, we could easily have battered them. So, you know, it's just one of those weird games where nothing really broke right for us. And they got very much the rub of the green when it came to the refereeing decisions as well. Not that the referees what caused us this game. That I don't want don't to say that. So I did think he had a decent enough game. I thought his VAR let him down on, on two big calls. 
But, you know, they, you ride your luck and, and they got the luck today and fair play to them. You know, Jim, a, a couple of things. At least that point that we got has seen us on goal difference, I believe, ease ahead of the very upset Mikel Arteta, um, whose angst I think we've all enjoyed immensely um, over the last 24 hours. Um, if, you, if you're not reveling in, in, in the... Um, the hardship of that particular set of lads. I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, you know, there's a famous German word for it. You should try it. I find it great. Uh, but I do think they've hit on something there when he talked about one of our idiots always gave them what they wanted. It felt a bit brainless from us, not necessarily on a grander scale of tactical ineptitude, although I think you can possibly say that this is one of those games which shows that we're trying to overcomplicate something when we have a bunch of wonderful players that could fit into a far more traditional style and probably be a lot more effective. I will always just put my hands up and say, that's only my opinion. What do I know compared to Jurgen Klopp, et cetera, et cetera. There's that. But there was a sort of ineptitude about us, Jim. And it's hard to square that circle. When you look at the 11 that started for us, maybe it is as simple as sometimes you just need one or two of those to go in and then you start to take a hold um, and, and and the things start to come off or whatever. But you know, when, you know what I'm saying? That when you look at that 11, we had that patent superiority to them, not just in possession. We just should have been infinitely better than that team. And yet we were often second to things and trailing behind lads. The concession of the goal is a classic example. You see poor Mac there struggling. He's never going to get near that break, breaking runner. Um, you want to see Ibu Kanate kicking um, uh, a Ross Barkley up in the air so that the, 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 the attack never starts. Things like that, we just seem to just have this I don't know. I, 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 like I say, the best word I can think of, Jim, is ineptitude. And it's really stunning when you look at the wonderful players that we were able to select in that first 11 today. Yeah, I mean, you look at the midfield and we've got three players who weren't with us last season. That cost us how much? I mean, someone can go and do the maths. I, I don't want to do, but it adds up to quite a lot of money. And, you know, we, we didn't look like we were getting our money's worth out of them. But to, but to pick on them almost feels wrong. I mean, in a way, the way I said about Costas playing... Um, you know, the way Costas has been since he signed his new deal. One of, one of my biggest frustrations with him is the amount of times he gives away stupid free kicks. You know, we always seem to have a player in our ranks who does that on a regular basis and, you know, can, can sort of ruin the chance to sort of, you know, really put pressure on the opposition. The amount of times you see him giving a free kick away that just basically like gives them the chance to sort of mm. slow everything down, waste time. And for all the sort of hype at the start of the season about adding time for wasting time, that's not happened really, has it? That's kind of gone out the window. I mean, I know we got an eight minute, um, a load of stoppage time at the end of the game, but I'm not sure that was down to the sort of stuff we were seeing early on in the season. Um, this is, this is the kind of frustration, but you, if we're all doing that, why, why can't this should be sort of a sort of, you know, it's sort of real one of playing a team that's kind of down towards the bottom that's, that's, you know, maybe punching above the weight in that division with all due respect is one of the things they're going to do is try and win set pieces because one of the biggest threats they can be to a team like Liverpool is, is from set pieces. This is, 
this is something we've seen time and time again. So, you know, just, just be sharp, just be aware, just watch for that. You know, and even if you have to say to the players, look, we know the referees that we get are all shit against us. Um, you know, just, just don't play into the hands of them. This, this, this should be sort of basic sort of instructions that go out before a game. And I don't know. It, it just feels frustrating. You know, we, like you just mentioned, Jurgen Klopp, he's a genius. He is a football genius. We'll, we'll never know a fraction of the stuff he knows about football. I'm sure of that. Yet, you know, why, why does it seem to be that we sort of keep repeating the same things about the, the stuff that's missing? And it's, it's, it's the frustration. Um, is that how many times have we been on Raw after a game where we've not got all three points or maybe even when we scraped all three points? Because let's face it, there's been plenty of times when we've had all three points and we've not come on here full of happiness because we thought, you know, we got away with that. Um, why are we saying the same things all of the time? Is it, is it, are we missing something? That's the question I often ask myself. Are we missing something? Are we, are we stating the obvious? But if we actually got to sit and talk to Klopp and ask him this, would he say, what are you on about? Did you not know about X, Y, Z? Um, I don't think we are. You know, we'll find out one day. Um, I mean, you're talking about the league table as well. And I think this is one of the other frustrations of today. And this is what the sort of, you know, FSG, we've finished, we've screwed it all up. I can't believe this club, all the sort of people throwing the toys out the pram will do is they'll look at this, um, this season. I mean, for, for recent seasons, when we've really pushed for the league and when we won the league, um, it's been Man City's been our biggest sort of obstacle. They've, they've hardly lost. Um, the amount of points you've had to get and still only finish second has been amazing some of the past few seasons. So you sort of, you look at a season like this and you can see that teams are giving up points. Teams are dropping points. You feel like it's an opportunity. You look at Villa, um, we're only two points above them, but Villa, Aston Villa, you know, they're fifth. It's one of those seasons where there is a bit of strangeness to it and you feel it's the season where we could have took our opportunities. But really, you know, being realistic, we didn't even get in the Champions League last season. We finished outside the top four. That is what we need to do more than anything this season is get in the top four. So at the moment, we're still on for that. But when you look at that top five table and you look at that top six, you know, you think it takes a couple of games like this and we're going to be starting to ask ourselves whether we can get in the Champions League next season. And it feels so frustrating because let's face it, we've not We've play, I, I think we've punched above our weight this season. I think I've been surprised by how well we've played this season time and again. Or if not how well we've played, how well we've come out of games with the points. Um, the Europa League campaign's been brilliant. The league campaign, you know, we, we, how many, how much, how many points have we actually dropped? I mean, very few compared to what I thought we would have done, but it's just, we're just not learning. We're just not. And again, what I said earlier on, you know, what did we do? Did we come into this game thinking that that one nil will do? If we came into the game thinking one nil will do, then then great. Um, if we came into the game thinking four nil will do, then maybe we'd have come out with it with a two or a three nil win. You know, this is this is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's just some sort of sort of real attitude problem with us when we play teams like this, because. You know, for a fact, we wouldn't have played like that if we'd gone to play City or or Arsenal or Tottenham. I mean, look at the performance against Tottenham. The result went against us. Totally different kind of attitude in the way we went there. Go down, go to Loon. You know, not that far away from Tottenham, relatively speaking. Where were we? We didn't go. We didn't turn up. And I don't know. I don't know how you can change that without just. We must have tried to change it, but it feels like this has been one of our little illnesses for the last few seasons and I really wish we could eradicate it because if you win these games 
um, you know, you, you make it much more likely that you're going to actually win leagues. Well, if you look at the first 15 minutes of this half with me, you get a sense for, I think, how close over the target you're hovering there in terms of the difference between how we probably felt we were going into that in terms of our status and likelihood to win versus the actual reality that was presented to us on the field. Because the first attempt of the game is on four minutes. It's a low hit straight at Ali. But within seconds of that, we see Darwin Nunes cutting in, shooting well, leads to a corner, and he looks sharp. Eight minutes, then there's a great run into dangerous territory by Ibu Kanate. I think he tries to help the ball onto Mo Salah, but it gets smothered. Nine minutes, there's a run and a shot by Darwin, which is just over the top. Um, in the build-up to that, I thought Barkley caught Jota quite badly. But anyway, that's three sort of attacks to their one. Twelve minutes in, Darwin again, another great run this time. Um, he took the ball very well, hits the bar following a, a, a diagonal from Virgil across the Trent. Trent plays this beautiful ball basically dropping at the feet of Darwin. Um, it's a decent attempt by the kid. I don't think he could be too hard on him about this one. And like I say, hits the woodwork. And then on 14 minutes, Kabori finds himself in a situation where he should do much better, but fires over the top. Ogben, Ogbene had beaten Trent to swing over across. Um, and it comes to Kabori. And he, like I say, he should do better. So despite our dominance in terms of ball possession, and what the lads no doubt feel is, you know, their superiority in terms of, 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 of caliber footballer. They have two shots on target, uh, or two shots at goal. Kabore's should have been on target. He should do better. Um, the first one is on target against Ali. We have a couple of attempts as well. And I don't think Jim, many of us would have said, Oh, that's going to be the pattern in the game. Most of us, even at this point, 15 minutes in, we're thinking, all right, they seem to be good on the break, but we're going to have more than enough here. And in these opening goings, I still was quite optimistic, even though I felt we were a little bit, like I said early on, a little bit kind of swaggery without the necessary kind of oomph that you need to back that up. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 my my issue with them. That You could see, I mean, the efforts Darwin had... Um, I think, you know, fair enough, try to do what you did the other night when you have one of those amazing shots that wasn't held by the wind, despite what the commentator said the other night. You know, do it, have a go. But when it when it's not working, it's not working, is it? So maybe maybe forget that for this week. Um hit the hit the post, sorry, another another great shot from him. But like you say, we're we're letting them into it and we're letting them into it and we're not sort of I don't know, we're not sort of reacting to that. And as you say, after sort of fifteen minutes you should be thinking, Well, hang on a minute, we've had a couple of scares here. And I'll be honest. I think if we had conceded one of the one of those chances they had, if one of those had, had gone in, I think we maybe would have seen a different Liverpool because Liverpool are generally speaking good at reacting to situations. This is again another frustration that we have to have something happen before we suddenly, you know, shift up a gear. It's this, you know, we, we sort of need to be hit in the face before we react. Um, you know, I wish we could just do it without needing to be hit in the face first. But you're right, we were. You know, we had, we had possession, we had control of most of the time. Um, it's that sort of typical thing where you've got a team like this that can hit you on the counter. And if it, you know, if everything works well, um, they're going to score. I think one of the things you have in your mind is you think, well, this team, you know, if this was someone else higher up the league, we'd be, we'd definitely be behind now. And you think, you know, you're playing against lesser quality with all due respect. Um, 
I mean, Barkley, Everton rejects, thought he could make his name at Chelsea. Where did he end up? Um, I'm not sure this is where he thought he'd be when he left Everton a few years ago. Um, but this is the thing. We're playing that kind of quality against us. You do expect us to, to keep them at bay. Um, you expect them to have chances. That happens in every game. But you sort of think, well, you know, they're going to be crap chances. They're not going to get them. And so, but yeah, 15 minutes in, um, I mean, we've all due respect to Darwin. I saw, I saw a stat or a sort of comment made after the game that he had nine shots in this game. Um, the joint highest total for a player in the Premier League this season, nine shots, and he didn't score. Um, you know, I, I still sort of think, well, look, he's having the shots. He's having the attempts. He's having the goal at getting the goal. Um, the sitter that no doubt will come to later, um, it feels like he's going to have one of those for every so many goals he scores. Um, the fact is, he's making the effort, and yeah, I think again, one of, he's one of the players when he does when he does have a chance saved or misses or whatever, he does sort of smile, laughs it off, and gets on and has another go. Um, I can't fault him for his effort, but he felt like he was maybe the only one really having having the efforts. I think did Joe Gomez have a have a shot at some point? Um, you know, again, a little bit of pressure from us, but nothing serious. Um, but again, what we've seen time and time again this season is. Well, don't worry. He'll come. We'll get it. We'll get there. You know, let's be patient. We'll get there. And, and as, and, you know, same as yourself, I'm thinking, yeah, we should be okay. Um, we're doing that patient thing again. But as I said before, you know, eventually we've got to get rid of that patience game and start actually going for it. A lot of people were leaning into that, Jim, in terms of, oh, yeah, we're a great second half team. And to be honest, Dave, if we look at the rest of this half, the Kabore shot did seem to spark something in terms of, I don't think they have anything except one effort from um, uh, Mr. Barkley. We, um, on 21 minutes, there's a ball in from Dominic, uh, which broke to Mo Salah. His shot was incredibly wild. Miles off target, 23 minutes, Darwin headed over. A nice improvised right-footed cross by Mo. Um, Darwin's header's over the top. Uh, 32 minutes shot, had a, a first-time shot. Um, saved well, to be fair, after a great carry and give by Gravenberg. Um, then we have the comical sight of uh, Kabore doing his Stevie Wonder impression. He's lolling around there, his head, he's feeling his way, closing his eyes. Oh, I have no idea what happened to him, but he was fine afterwards. Trent volley blocked off from a corner, direct volley from a corner. There was a, I thought, handball incident on 39 minutes, nothing given. And then we had Barkley shot from outside the box after they'd built another kind of move down our right flank. That was their happy zone in the first half. Um, Nakamba picks up a yellow for a wild challenge on McAllister in 43 minutes. And then Jota ends the half um, with a header over the top on 44 minutes off a big bomb ball into the box by Trent. No finesse about that one. Um Clearly, on the basis of what I've just said, we had multiple attempts. Uh, we had dominance in inverted commas. Um, we still coughed up an- another chance to them in the shape of the Barkley effort, if you want to say that. Um, and it just felt almost as if we were waiting for the magic to happen at halftime where Jurgen would say something inspirational and these boys would click because he does leave it a long old time in the second half before he changes things up then. He does. He left it too late with the subs. I mean, you've you've gone through, you know, with, with Jim and then then for myself, like a whole bunch of really good Liverpool chances. 
So, like, it, it, it's quite the effort. We created six big chances today and managed to waste all of them. That 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 takes quite a lot of doing. And you know, there was there was some some of them were just really good. Now, you're right. Kaminsky made an excellent save from Jota. That's that was brilliant by Gravenberg. The little jink inside beats the man, uses his frame to shield the ball, slides the ball perfectly. Jota does everything right. The Mo chance is. It's staggeringly bad what what a poor finish that is. Like it yeah. is absolutely shocking from a player of his caliber. He doesn't need to snatch at it either, which is what makes it worse. He could have taken a touch, and he didn't. Um, but it it kind of it's one of those games where we had a lot of them last season, where it just you get through the first ten to fifteen, we have a couple of big chances, and you think, okay, we're going to score here. And then you get to 25-30 and we've had another raft of good chances and you start to think, oh no, we're not actually going to score here. This is going to be one of those games where we just don't get anything go our way. So it was really, for the first half was just really, really first uh, frustrating because we should have gone in a couple of goals up. They had half chances. We had great chances and just just blew them. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, there's a, a, a profligacy about us. I, I'm glad you said that about the Salah one because I found myself sometimes I'm wondering if I'm being extra harsh on Mo because he's so good. But I, I just I thought he was appalling today. I thought he just, you know, as they'd say around here, he's just fucking wagging. Um, he couldn't do anything. Anything he did was half arse. The only thing he was doing halfway right was the occasional ball slid down the side for a runner on his flank. But apart from that, it was just. Why do, do you know, play him 90, why do we play him for 90 minutes the other night? That's uh, one of them that crossed my mind watching him today yeah, was, you know, a, we don't normally do that in that sort of competition. It's and, then, and then start him. I was thinking he, maybe he wouldn't be starting today, you know. And his, his Jim, his his um, header, which Darwin sort of, you know, they're going to replay that for the rest of the fucking season unless Darwin scores <laughs> about 79 goals um, that managed to miss. It, that's going to go down as a decent stat in most column as a sort of, you know, chance created when he should have been just putting on the fucking target. I don't understand. I don't <laughs> understand that header. It's just really weird. You know what? Let's you and I ball straight into the second half because we're going to end up stopping to talk about a few issues here pretty soon. And why not it, it, one of them be uh, the end of our little chat here? So we'll take it up as far as about 60 minutes. And 
There's nothing happening worth a damn, Jim. As Dave said earlier on, you'd like to see them changing. You'd like to have seen some changes made on the back of the first half, sort of um, profligacy or lack. Of... Could you just fuck off? How would that be? Jesus Christ. Did you hear my computer asking me if I needed help there? No. Yeah, very, my, very uh, my Alexa does that all the time as well, so it has to be unplugged during all podcasts. Well, this is this is built into my computer in Siri. If if anyone knows how I can disable this knob, Indian robot knob head, please let me know. Um, anyway, as I was saying, you would lo- like to have seen a lot more dom- uh, urgency um, about this this dominant sort of display, and you would like to have seen Jurgen change it up a bit, perhaps because we had missed opportunities. We were a little bit like a days ago. It was, I'd like to have seen some of these guys who are hungry to come on, come on at halftime, make me make a statement. That's not good enough, lads. We don't do that. And the first effort of the 50, of the second half comes in 52 minutes is a bene. It's, it's a dreadful effort, but it's the first effort of the second half. There's a corner down on 51. It's such a bad corner by us. Um, that McAllister gets a yellow card because the short corner goes so appallingly wrong. He is uh, forced to 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 hack at a player so they don't get a break, and that means now he's suspended for Brentford. So less than auspicious start to the for, to the second half. Fifty five minutes. There were two dangerous Cabore crosses, one after the other. First one um, is is uh, sort of ferried back into play again, and the second one is claimed by Ali. Um, the first one, I think, was against a struggling, strolling McAllister. Um, that kid was just out of sorts today, and it was obvious to me that he should be one of the substitutes um, or one of the lads played in. But we are so fucking screwed for anyone that Jurgen believes can play that position. Apparently, it bollocks, but it's apparently the case that he he must stay on. Even when he's having a wretched afternoon, which he was today, it, the only one worse than Mo Salah, in my opinion, in terms of like level compared to performance. Um, and this is where I'm going to pause it with you. And um, bear in mind, that's a good old chunk. That's you know the opening 15 minutes of this second half. Um, and there's a lot to talk about. And the reason I'm pausing it there with you is because again we have this older fella memory of. Luton being an unpleasant place for several different reasons. Um, I'll be honest with you, the main one was the fuckers could beat us. It was terrible that they mm. could beat us. But you got to see the small ter- small timeness of these people as they chanted back to back, always the victims, and then feed the scousers. And you're thinking it's 2023, the year of our Lord 2023. What sort of apes are you? Can you not just in some way evolve? What is wrong with these people? And yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be too vocal about it. it I, I, I'm always aware I'm not a man of the city, but it is my adopted city and I, I take these things personally. I think it's obnoxious on so many levels. So I, w- I do want you to chat about that and, and, and how in God's name that can still be happening. And I did think actually, oh my God, the commentators are such bottlers. They haven't even mentioned it. And to be fair, 
I thought he'd let it go, but Carragher didn't mention it on the Sky commentary. He wasn't specific. Maybe that was the right way to do it, not give any um, extra uh, sort of coverage to the obnoxious sentiments that were expressed. So he did actually mention it. So I credit the words to you. It's a stain on the game, Jim, for sure. It's a t- kind of thing that you'd like to see clubs punished for, for sure. Um, and so I'd like you to start there and then anything else you've got to say on that um, opening to the second half. I think really the, if the chances stood out in that opening to the second half, there wasn't much going on from us. I mean, um, McAllister's yellow card feels like it's, um, I've said this previously, you know, we're sort of, we're diluting the talent of that player, keep playing him in that position. You know, we'll have a good go. Um, but it's not, it's not his position. And, um, whether he is the best we've got at it is, 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 I don't think he's actually necessarily that easy to kind of say he is. You know, I, mean, let, I, I would rather give Endo a chance. Um, we paid for him. We bought him. Why don't we get, have a go with him? If we didn't want him, why pay for him? You know, um, I think he's certainly the most suited player, maybe more natural. I would say maybe to play there out of the ones we, we brought in this summer. Um, but anyway, that, and I think up to that sort of 60 point mark, you know, they made a change. We hadn't. Um, and I don't think it was a surprise we didn't make a change at half time because I still think it goes along that line of, um, just be patient. It'll come, you know, keep plugging away. It'll come, you know, but forgetting to do the actually really, really keep plugging away bit. Uh, um, but the chanting, yeah. Um, there's been a lot of good stuff said about Luton. You know, they've had a lot of praise. They've had this sort of, you know, risen from the you know the phoenix rising from the ashes all that kind of stuff um it was such a big jump for them to get to the premier league that they didn't have the ground ready not that not that we can talk but you know the ground wasn't ready for the start of the new season because it wasn't up to standards and um there was a bit of a delay getting them to play at their own ground um you know there's all this goodwill about them and you know and i think it was said that this is what was it the manager saying it's the first time they've played a really sort of you know uh, the, the premier league's a big league but this is the first big team we've played you know i'm sure everton will be pleased to hear that um made all this made out all of this that you know they've, they've had this rise they've come into this league and yet they can be still so small time um i'm glad there's usually some action being taken about this kind of chanting the better had be uh this time certainly for the victim stuff um it's just <laughs> they've been out in the wilderness i suppose from the top flight since since what happened at Hillsborough, you know, maybe when they were in the top flight that, you know, or in and around it, they remember it still being what the sun said. Um, are they so stupid that they still believe that? Probably. Um, are they so stupid that they think it's okay to use it as a bit of sort of gold in the opposition? Um, at that point, any sort of little tiny bit of goodwill I had to them, you know, me trying to say to myself, forget what went on in the eighties, forget about the, um, mystery not being able to get on a plane and all these other excuses they had to in their FA Cup games and all sorts of other stuff and Steve Foster's headband all of that <laughs> you know put all that to one side it went out the window because of that chance there's just no need for it and the feed the scouts and stuff it's like I mean I don't know a lot about Luton um, but it doesn't strike me as as a sort of hotbed of um, mansions and so on you know it doesn't strike me as you know people in Luton are all um, sort of people who are well to do and doing well for themselves, but that doesn't matter. And I think you're saying that about not being from the city. Um, you don't need to be from the city to kind of realize that certainly the, the poverty mocking stuff is just low life. It's just the actions of scum. And, you know, you don't deserve to be at a football ground, um, 
having the privilege of being able to pay whatever it is to see a match, and it's not cheap nowadays, having that privilege, you don't deserve that privilege if you think it's then okay to just look down on anyone who's not doing well for themselves. Um, and especially, you know, this all dates back to when Liverpool was in a mess because of the way the governments had treated the city, the way people are being treated. People were on the dole. People were struggling. It was horrific. Um, the, the after effects of that, the, the issues with people sort of going, facing, going to drugs and everything else. It was just, it, we could be here all day talking about it. And it's just, it just smacks me of, of pathetic scum like snobbery just trying to look down. And that's where they go wrong because they're not looking down on the poor. They're looking up at much better people from down there in the gutter where they are. And I hope the FA clamp down on for the victim stuff, but I really think it's time that we start to making, um, we start allowing people sort of, mocking people for not being very well off we need to make that something that we uh pull clubs up about as well because it, it needs to stop it's just not nice and the premier league is an expensive hobby nowadays you know and anyone who manages to partake in it whether it's paying for a tv subscription or getting to go to a game just be glad you can just be glad you can I mean, it's odd, Thatcherite, loads of money, 80s wanker behavior of the mm. highest order. You can't really get your head around it. Um, and that is offensive on its face. I mean, the concept of taking the piss out of the poor is offensive on its face. Uh, apart from the fact that it's obviously, you know, incorrect as well. The other thing, I don't know, takes it to the next level, and it seems to be okay now and seems to be considered to be banter um, because, you know, if a decision goes against you, you can come out with this. And again, it should be, and I think hopefully there might be at least a discussion about it. Dave, I know you wanted to come in on this chanting thing as well because it is kind of, as Jim says, it is a stain on the game. It is, and I, I just like to let's let's have a little look at, at Luton itself. Like The two most notable people to come out of Luton in recent years are Andrew Tate currently facing rape <laughs> and human uh, human trafficking charges in Romania and Toby Robinson who might be the biggest oh, scumbag God. to appear from England in the last 25 to 30 years. Uh, we can also just, you don't have to be from Liverpool, this information is freely available on the internet, we can just look up the unemployment levels, Luton versus Liverpool. In the city of Liverpool the unemployment level is 4.8 which is the national average in the city of Luton, it's 5.6. And if you bring in the surrounding boroughs of Luton, it's 8.5. That's according to Luton.gov.uk, which I would take to be a fairly official source. If we look at poverty uh, in the city of Liverpool, 28.9% of children live in relative po- poverty and 20.2% live in absolute poverty, which by the way, are appalling numbers for a first-world country. Uh But if we look at Luton, it's 37% of children living in relative poverty, which is 9% or 8% higher than Liverpool, and uh, 27% living in absolute poverty, which again is much higher than Liverpool. So perhaps you might want to just feed your own before you worry about feeding anybody else. Because Luton is, and has been, for many a year, a shithole. The city is a shithole. The ground is a, like, the ground is a dump. I just have good memories of going there with some mates when I lived in England. That's my affinity for the ground. It's nothing to do with the people. The people are atrocious. 
the the fans are about as bad as you'll find. But to take that sort of arrogant view of feed the Scousers, ha, 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 this is funny, oh, we're all a big bunch of Tories, how's that Tory government working out for you with rampant unemployment and rampant childhood poverty? How's that going? Do you think, is the Tory government really looking after the people of Luton? I'm enjoying the dots, lads. That's just as simple as that. It's it's offensive on so many levels, but I think the one that you've pointed out, the absolute lack of intelligence behind it, the stupidity of it, is where it really starts to just stick in my craw as well. I mean, I, you know, people may say we're making too much out of this. I don't think we are. I don't think we made enough out of it. It could actually just be what the show is about, if we're being perfectly fucking honest. But let's get back and keep it on track in terms of looking at what happened in the match. And if I go back to you, Dave, for the next chunk of inverted commas action, um, the next thing that happens in terms of match relevance is on the back of those chants, they bring on Chong for Townsend on 60 minutes. Watch this space, ladies and gentlemen, because um, Trent has a shot from 40 yards soon after that. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, nice dig, Trent. No, I'm not. I'm thinking to myself, are we really reduced to Trent taking pot shots from 40 yards? Sort it out, Kloppo. It takes another few minutes, but he does do something. And in the, in the interim, on 64 minutes, Ogbeni beats Trent, Ibu, and McAllister, and his cross is met by the uh, number nine, who's I'm blanking on Morris, uh, and it's a wonder save from Ali. It's a fucking wonder save from Ali. He just does that thing that he does. He gets a part of his body to it. I'm fairly sure it's going on target, that effort from Morris, but they cut us open. Benny absolutely just slalom through Trent, Ibu, McAllister, his cross into Morris. Morris gets there first ahead of our defender. And Ali saves the day again at 64 minutes. And then we bring on the subs, Harvey, Cody and Simicus for Jota, Gomez and Dom. I think we should pause there, actually, because I do know you want to talk about the subs, the relative lateness of the subs in 65 minutes. And we absolutely should talk about that uh, chance where they should have been ahead before we even got them on the park. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ogbeni thing down the left was an issue from early on, wasn't it? Like, he skinned Trent a few times. And this is one of my big gripes with the whole inverted midfielder or fullback into midfield thing. If we're going to do that, I don't, look, there's a world in which it can work really, really well. And we've seen it work at times. But if you're going to do it, you've got to leave the other three as a back three. You cannot be asking... Joe Gomez to be left centre back and left wing back and at times left winger. Because by doing that, then you're asking Virgil to be centre back and left back and Ibu to be centre back and right back. You're asking far too much of these players. If Joe was sitting in nice and compact in a, a functioning back three, then Ibu is already further out. He's not having to go quite as far to get to Ogbena, and if Ogbena does get behind him, it's a far shorter cover for Virgil to come across and clear that up, knowing that he's still got Joe Gomez the other side of him. But as things stand, 
if you get past Ibu, Virgil's got a really long commute to come across and try and deal with that. And they should have gone one nil up. They should, they should have got, they, they made an absolute hames of that opportunity. I, I don't think they could believe they got into that sort of situation as easily as they did. Um, yeah, I just, I just thought the subs, he waited too long to make them. Like, it was clear at half time that things weren't working as well as he would have liked. But so I don't know why we needed another 20 minutes in the second half. And what about the personnel itself? What about the, the, the actual nature of the substitutes themselves? Do you think they addressed the issues that we needed to address? I thought Harvey coming on worked once Diaz came on. Yeah. Harvey's been really good in, in a sub role this season. It hasn't been great when starting, but really good off the bench. And I thought when Harvey and Diaz were both on, we had actual width. Harvey yeah. held wide one side, Diaz held wide the other side. And things started to make a bit more sense for us. It would have made even more sense if Trent was playing as a right back and we had Trent and Harvey down that side, Mo and Darwin or Mo and Gakpo through the middle, whatever way you want to do it. And then, you know, the, the, down the left, you would have had Diaz and Costas. And that would have all worked a little bit more. But I mean, I just thought, I just thought 20 minutes was far too long. Like, how long was it? Like, they could easily have scored and gone one nil up, all while we're sitting around, clearly seeing that this isn't working for us. And yet it took so long to get the subs on. I just wouldn't have taken off Dominic. Now, he wasn't playing well, but him and Mo are the two that I just wouldn't be taking off in that kind of situation where you need a goal. Yeah. Um, the decision to play them both against Bournemouth has backfired because both of them were, were poor today. It's it, just that midfield situation is a bit weird. Look, we all know Alexis isn't a six. If you, if you needed any more proof of it, you all got it today. Uh, people tr- trying to convince themselves that because Klopp said he could play there, that means he can play there. Jurgen can say whatever he wants. He can stick feathers in McAllister's arse. Won't make him a chicken and playing him there won't make him an effective midfielder. <laughs> he's, he's not quick enough. He's not, he doesn't anticipate the game well enough. He's not forceful enough. I mean, we'll get to their goal, but he's, he's dreadful in that goal twice. The, the, the yellow card he gets, I mean, that, that's just, that's just him being really tired from the role he's been asked to play and the amount of physical work he's having to get through. He, he did look bollocks. He did. He looks knackered. He looks absolutely yeah. knackered because yeah. he's not a six. And we continue to play him there. And the other thing as well is, look, look people can argue all they want about Gravenberg being a, a, a more talented player than Curtis. And, and yeah, he's more talented than Curtis. But Curtis is a significantly better player than him now because of what he can do off the ball and defensively. When Curtis sits in next to Alexis, Alexis has to do far far less because Curtis splits the load with him a lot and does a lot of the, the dog work. But also, in looking at the eight combinations, Dominic and Curtis works brilliantly. Gravenberg and Curtis works brilliantly. Dominic and Gravenberg doesn't work and hasn't worked. It's been very disjointed whenever they've been on the pitch together. Because you've got to have one of them who's not ball dominant. You've got to have one of them that can almost act as a wall. Give it to them and they're giving it straight back. That's not going to take anything out of the ball. Gravenberg needs the ball. 
and he needs it in certain areas of the pitch to really be effective. He doesn't drop in to pick the ball up off the defence well enough, which is something Curtis does excellently. Curtis will drop back into left-back, pick the ball up off Virgil, and it's allowed Robbo or Costas or, or whoever to already get their get their momentum going forward. You read the thing. You read the think pieces from the Galaxy Brain saying that Gravenberg could be our six, right? He did. Yeah, that. I mean that was always bullshit. I mean, Remar- I said that in the summer. Remarkable stuff. It, utter nonsense. The guy hasn't a defensive bone in his body, and doesn't play with enough aggression or force to play that role. Now he is improving as a presser. But when the ball goes beyond him, then he's a little bit lost. And look, he's 21. All this stuff can be developed in time. But for now, in terms of balance, when Curtis is back, and hopefully he's back for for Brentford because we're desperately going to need him, he's got to be in the team. If Alexis is going to be the sixth, then Curtis needs to be the left-sided eight. Well, Alexis is banned now for Brentford. Yeah, so it's got to be Endo, and I think it should still be Curtis because Endo's not quick either. So, and he, and he's also not the biggest or strongest. Curtis gives you an extra bit of size in there. I know Gravenberg is 6'3", but he doesn't play 6'3". Him and Gakbo play like much smaller players. They don't use that size and physical presence well enough. Yes, yeah, that can come. So, like, this, I'm like, this is not to criticise Gravenberg, because of the starting midfield three, he probably was the best of the three today. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was. But it's a very low bar. He might yeah. have been... Five out of ten, and the other two were four out of ten. Yeah, stunningly low, stunningly low performances. Um, and, in and, terms, and the problem is, he picks up really good positions, finds pockets of space, and then we ignore him, and the ball goes the other way because Dominic is ball dominant, and the team have built into a rhythm of giving the ball to Dominic. the The thing with Curtis is, Curtis is happy for that because then Curtis will make that third man blindside run into the box. So the cross is coming in. Curtis is at the back post along with whoever the left, the left winger is. So he's getting himself into the box, whereas at the moment, Gravenberg isn't doing that. He's not doing enough off the ball to make up for the fact that we're not using him enough on the ball. If we were using him on the ball more, the midfield might work a little better, but then you're taking Dominic off the ball and those two don't have any synergy yet. So, I know Klopp's hand was a little bit forced today, but in in situations where Curtis isn't available, I would have rather started Endo and then had Alexis, because Alexis can also be that off-ball player. He doesn't dominate the ball. He's happy to work without it. I just think we've got to get that balance right. Yeah, and for, it's so it's so weird. Function. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices 
allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, it's so weird to see uh, a game where, you know, Dominic, who's been our player of the season, is having a bad one. So is McAllister. And, you know, the changes happen. And uh, I don't know. It's, it, it, there's just a lack of awareness about about uh, tactical lack of awareness today in terms of what needed to happen and when. And, Jim, if we look at the next chunk of the game, and we need to start um, – getting a bit of a move on here. There is, on 68 minutes, uh, a, a direct kind of impact from two of the subs. Harvey gets a great cross in. It's kind of behind Cody Gakbo. Gakbo flicks at it in a way that we saw um, Divock Origi score from um, a couple of years ago. But unfortunately, in this case, it's a no-go. Trent then has a cross to Mo Salah. His header is back across the goal. We've spoken about this a few minutes ago. The flag goes up for offside against Mo. I think it's probably not going to get given, but it doesn't really matter because the ball comes to Darwin and he's a yard in front or two, two yards in front of the goal and somehow manages to contrive a shot that goes over the bar when he's that far out. <laughs> and here's my thing about this, Jim, and, you know, I'm every bit as in love with the kid as, 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 as most Liverpool fans are. That is a concentration thing. What you do there, if you're an absolute dead-eyed, you know, um, poacher, is you don't... You, you're a shark in that situation. You just yeah. fucking get your body over the ball and you make sure that the contact is driving the ball downwards, not fucking upwards. It's you don't even so, kick it. You just... You just meet touch it, you yeah. basically, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. You meet it. You meet it in a way that's intentional and so. And by the way, say the two fellas who might have a fire in their ages. <laughs> but the point is, but the point is, you need that dead eyed thing from this kid. We need it from him. That's what's going to turn him into a rival for Haaland in terms of goals scored over the next few years. And if it doesn't happen, we're going to have this ongoing, I find, utterly boring discussion about how he's just a chaos merchant. There's more to this kid than that, and he needs to find it quick. Um, on 71, I, I, it's a howler of a miss. Let's just be fucking honest about it, Jim. It's a howler of a miss. And the fact that it would have gone to VAR and probably would have been let go makes it worse. 71 yeah, the, minutes. The, the auto text, just quickly, the auto text that I think the Press Association create, um, match text, but it says, um, Darwin Nunes, right footed shot from very cro- close range is just a bit too high. <laughs> just a bit. I think you need to fix that AI, mate. <laughs> oh, that's charming. That's that's charming. The, the, the computers let him right off the hook there for a play to it. Uh, on 71 minutes, we saw Mo get play the ball down the line to Darwin, and he has a great dig. And this one's saved. It leads to a corner. Harvey has an effort from that corner. Virgil is pulled down in the box. I didn't even get to see a replay um, on, on my sky. Um, 74 minutes, they bring on Adebayo from Morris. There's a yellow for Kloppo, who's grousing about the Virgil incident. Um, Trent blew a fantastic opportunity on the break on 76 minutes. 
really, again, atypical lack of concentration from the kid. 78, great turn and hit by Gravenberg. Um, it's a decent shot and possibly may have been going wide. But anyway, the keeper gets a paw to it, goes for a corner. We get nothing from that. They bring on Brown for Ogbele on 78. And within a minute, Jim, and this is where we're going to pause, you and I, uh, we're a goal down. And it looks like it's that moment where you go, well, it's one of those afternoons. VAR uh, have to check it because we are still thinking about this handball situation um, in the opposite box. Um, I think it's a header from Virgil that goes off one of their players and onto the hand. Um, anyway, it's not given ultimately. Uh, and the way the goal works out is fairly simple. They break from our pressure spot kick situation. Uh, as far as I, uh, maybe I'm being a little bit cruel. Maybe he couldn't quite have got there. But if it's me and I'm Ibu Kanate, I'm going to break my heart to get there and kick the fucker up in the air. But Barkley gets away from Ibu. Um, you can see the way it's shaping up. We don't look good. The player you're going to rely most on in this now situation from here on in is McAllister. But Mac sort of is absolutely blown. Can't get anywhere near the pace of Chong. Isn't really covering the cross. Is kind of nowhere. The ball goes to Chong, who's easily onside. And it's a goal. It feels like a bit of a joke shop situation, but also as if we'd set ourselves up for this all afternoon, Jim. Yeah, we had. And I mean, we, I mean, that, that little, um, passage of play you talk about, then there's chance after chance after chance for us. Um, you know, we started to kind of finally decide, right, okay, lads, we've got a game here. We better do something about it. And we were, we were caught on the break. Um, McAllister on a yellow, knackered. You, you can't expect him to really sort of, you know, he's asking a lot for him to sort of rescue us in that situation. Um, and I think he's sort of talking about, you know, kicking a player up in the air. You know, that's the kind of thing that, you know, we used to kind of complain about James Milner at times with his sort of fouling, but he was also good at the tactical fouling, if you like, and just knowing when it's the right time to maybe get yourself a yellow, take one for the team, um, better a yellow than a goal conceded. Um, because I think we were, by this point, after taking so long to finally really, really push them, we were so focused on going forward that we kind of hadn't really thought about shutting the back, you know, making sure the back door was shut. Um, we were caught out and, I honestly at that point thought we've got nothing in us now. We've, we've struggled to do as much as we have done so far. Um, lots of chances, but no real, I mean, the goalkeeper, how many saves did he make? Five saves maybe? And they weren't all, um, many, if any, were sort of super saves or anything. It just felt like there's, there's no 10 minutes now. We, we, we've got no chance of turning this around. We're our own worst enemies. And, um, I was despondent. I was totally despondent at the time because it just felt like, this was a huge chance missed because, as I said earlier on in the show, we, we've got to take these games and win them. Um, and you, I don't know, it just felt like, you know, lots of teams will look at what happened today and they will try the same kind of things against us later on this season. But I'm sure Newton have looked at us today and thought much the same, you know, these are the ways to get at us. I'm going to finish the show with you in a minute with your wrap-up thoughts. Dave, we're going to finish the match and get your wrap-up thoughts together, if that's okay with you. And feel free to go back to the concession of the goal if you want to. <laughs> in fact, I'm almost certain you will. Um, there was an Ibu chance where he heads narrowly wide from a spot kick on 85. 
Luis Diaz comes on. There's a decent ball into the area by Harvey on 87. Eight minutes are added. It's that point where I see the ghost of Mick Harford and everything seemed to be dead. But on 94 into 95 minutes, it is one all. It is Luis Diaz. There is a great ball into him by Harvey and he finishes it unconventionally um, with uh, a headed attempt, head, shoulder. Who gives a shit? It gets us a point. And here's where I'm just going to, I want to re-emphasize something. It's a point which means that this weekend, after Lego heads having his cry, mm. we still go ahead of them. Now, maybe I'm grasping at straws here, Dave, but I think that's a psychological win and I'll take it. In the greater context of a shit afternoon, I'll take it. And so we're left with a chunk of time. And I do feel the need to talk about this because on 97 minutes, we have an opportunity to launch an attack. It's a big bomb ball out of the fence. Mo Salah's got the best touch in the league. He fucks it on 97 minutes. It's not like him. Okay, I'm thinking chance lost. There's a big ball in by Ibu on 99 minutes. Okay, that's it now because it doesn't go anywhere. Nope. Kabore manages to get a shot on target. And then we take, and I remember saying this to you on previous Raws, Fucking 87 hours to get the ball forward. Mm. Pricking around, tippy-tappy to lads over on the left wing. Drive it into the box. Why is every red not driving into the box, waiting for a bomb into the box? Like, I'm sorry, but that when I see stuff like that, it brings me back to my days playing Meath and District League and thinking, it's not really a difficult game, lads. You You have literally seconds left. Get it into the mixer. Mm. And why are we not doing that? That uh, that kind of thing makes, you know, a comparatively, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm maybe not the most profoundly deep thinker in the game, but for the love of Christ, that's obvious. Just do that. We didn't do it anyway. We fucked an opportunity, I think, there at the death to win it in a dramatic way, um, and that sticks in my craw. Anyway, lots on the table there for you, and I also need you if you don't mind to finish with your uh, final thoughts and plugs to. Um, yeah, I, I think we were we were really wasteful in those last few minutes because the one time, like, the, 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 goal, we, the goal we get, Ibu does brilliantly to win the ball back so high up and then immediately give it to someone who can play. And Harvey digs out a beautiful cross. Diaz attacks it brilliantly kind of heads it onto his shoulder and, and loops and it goes in. And it's it's a fantastic moment for him. It's a huge relief for us. We get the point. But like for him, Jim mentioned earlier, that's just a human moment because that guy has been through absolute torture for the last 10 days or so. And hopefully, hopefully we get the, the positive resolution soon. But <clears throat> um yeah, I, I just, I didn't understand what we were pricking about. Like we were knocking the ball side to side and, out to you and you give it back to me and now I'll give it to him and he'll go over there and then I'll come back. Like, what the fuck is that? They're not only are they not very good, they're also like their centre backs were not huge. Tom Lockyer can't be much bigger than 5'10, 5'11. Why didn't we put Cody bang in the middle of the box or get Virgil bang into the middle of the box and just pump balls into the central areas 
where you'll then have Diaz, Elliot, Salah, whoever else, buzzing around him onto those, onto anything that knocks loose on the floor. The ball from Trent to, 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 um, Mo, I don't think any player in the world kills that ball dead on that first touch. I thought we saw a really immature performance from our, our vice captain today. Um, you mentioned that shot from 40 yards or however far out it was earlier on. Like, he had so many better options there. He also seemed to sulk a few times. Yeah, when he was really Dom- poor. Yeah, he was awful. Dominic took control of a few set pieces. And rather than, like, get yourself into a position where Dominic can maybe knock it wide to you or maybe roll it short to you, Trent just went and kind of stood in dead areas where he wasn't going to get the ball and wasn't going to be able to affect the game. Also, Dave, Dave, can I cut across here? Can we yeah. also point out one point? There was a free kick on the left, our left, where Dom was lining up to take it. And Trent, and Trent like, ran over it. But Trent is running over it with his left foot. And who the fuck thinks Trent is going to strike the ball with his left foot? That's a waste. Get yeah. in the fucking box or stand off. That's a useless thing. Every fucker knows there's no way Trent's hitting this with his left foot. What are you doing? It's almost like it's ingrained in them that they have to do these things on set pieces. Fucks. Because oftentimes we'll have that situation where it's Trent and Robble. And Robble run over it left-footed. And maybe oh, the full Robble might pick. have struck it. <clears throat> but Robble might have struck it. Or he then creates the option of the ball down the line for the left-footed cross on, on the run. So one of the wall has to go with him. But no one's budging for Trent because they know it's not been played onto him on his left foot. It's just utterly pointless. And, you know, like you said, go and stand in a central area. So maybe Dominic can just roll it 10 yards sideways to you and you can stride onto it and hit it. Or go and stand on the other other side of the box so that if the ball gets cleared off the back post, you're over into that corner to get it coming back. Like, it was. It, I just thought his performance today was everything that's been wrong with him, from getting rinsed one v one, to not being in the correct position, relying too much on Ebu to bail him out of things, and then on the ball, like there was moments in that game where, like there was a lot of moments in that game where our double pivot was Alexis and Trent, which is obviously by design, but it was Trent on the left side, which means he's coming all the way from right back to the left side of the central midfield pairing, which means that to get back into position, he's now got to go all that way back, or someone else has to cover for him. So he's been completely absolved. Either he's either he's absolving himself of that defensive responsibility, or he's being absolved by the coaching team. Either is not good. I thought he was really poor today. I thought, look, you can go through pretty much the whole team. I think, I think barring the two centre-backs, and and the goalkeeper, I thought everybody was poor today. Like, Jota was the best of the forward players. It was a really low bar. Gravenberg was the best of the midfield players. It was a really low bar. Trent, or sorry, Harvey did well when he came on. Diaz did well when he came on. Costas did not do well when he came on. Gakbo didn't really do anything when he came on. I thought the two centre-backs and the keeper were about the only ones. And this is this goes into that frustration you had with those last kind of five to six minutes. Why on earth were we defending the halfway line? Why aren't we defending 10 yards outside their box? 
Who do they have that's going to beat Virgil or Ibu in a sprint with Ogbenna gone off the pitch? And even with him, Virgil easily matched him stride for stride. Easily. When he was flying. So, I didn't understand why we weren't really forcing the issue and casting that net around their their, their box and forcing them to just have to pump it clear. At which point, Ali can pick it up and pump it back in. And now we've got our two big centre-backs up as well as the two big six-foot-plus forward players in Darwin and Cody. But we didn't do any of that. We started knocking about, pricking about, doing silly things, and then all of a sudden pumping it in to the five-foot-seven, five-foot-eight winger in Mo. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. I I just thought, overall, poor performance, poor tactically, and we we got what we deserved which was a, a really poor result now you mentioned the arsenal thing this is my final thought on today we have gone above them and yes they'll say oh but you you drew with luton whereas we we lost to newcastle okay so this season they've played forest home palace away fulham home united home everton away tottenham home bournemouth away city home chelsea away sheffield united home newcastle away we have played Chelsea away, Bournemouth home, Newcastle away, Villa home, Wolves away, West Ham home, Spurs away, Brighton away, Everton home, Forest home, and now Luton away. I would argue we've played a, a, a harder run of games. I know they played City, but we got Spurs away, we got Villa, and we got Brighton away. And I would say overall we've had a slightly harder run of games than they have. Now, bearing in mind, of course, they finished second yesterday, uh, last season in, in the table. And if you listen to their fans, they were robbed by all manner of different things. Then they went and they spent 260 million or whatever it was on a bunch of new players. Uh, whereas we finished fifth and spent less money than them on our new players. And yet we're stride for stride with them right now having played, I believe, a harder run of games. 11, 11 games, 7 wins, 3 draws, 1 defeat. Same for both teams, plus 14 goal difference. Same for both teams. We've scored 24, they've scored 23. We've conceded 10, they've conceded 9. And we got robbed at Spurs. So, like, overall, 11 games in, which is just under a third of the season, I do think we can be really happy with how things are going. We're three points behind City. They've had an easier run than us as well. Now, we might well go five points behind Spurs should they beat Chelsea on Monday night, but nobody thinks Spurs are going to hold up at this pace the rest of the season. Yeah, it's Spurs. And and just doing a brilliant job, and they're playing really well. But, you know, five points to them is not five points to City. And like I said earlier, I don't think we're going to win the league anyway. As long as we can keep pace with those teams, with Spurs and with Arsenal, I think we're in a really good position to finish second. Now, not a second where you challenge for the title into the last couple of games, but a second is still a second and it's still respectable. Jose Mourinho said a second place to Man City, 18 points behind them, was the best outcome of his career. And when you look at what's happened since, he might not have been wrong. But, you know, today's bad. The hyperbole of, it's one of the worst results in club history, you people didn't live through the 90s, is all I can say on that one. Yeah. Um, it's just a bad day at the office. We'll overcome it. We'll get back to doing what we do. We've got a couple of players to come back from injury. Um, Brentford home next. 
Brentford have not been good this season and they haven't been good away from home this season. So I'm confident we can get a result in that one. That gets us to the international break. Then we've got City. But then we get Fulham home, Sheffield United away, Crystal Palace away, United at home, and then Arsenal home. And that brings us to Christmas. And I think we can win pretty much all of those games. The Arsenal one will be tough. Palace away will be tough enough. But I think we can win the rest, and I think we can run up the score against one or two of them. Um, so all things considered, I, I'm fairly happy with how the season has gone. My gripes are with the, the failure to address certain issues in the summer, but those those are things that can't be addressed now. So let's just focus on getting through to Burnley, which is the 26th of December. Then we don't play again until the 1st of January. Then we've got a three-week break in the league. There's an FA Cup game to go in there, but that's a, a game that we don't need to worry a whole lot about. Um, just get through these games. There's, what is it? There's eight games left, nine games left until that three week break. And we can address some of our issues in that time. If we get Curtis back, if Besetich comes back and can give us some minutes, if Endo takes another little bit of a step forward in, in his integration to the team, we might just find we've got some better op- options. We'll get Robbo back in January then as well. So all things considered, like this, there's no reason for doom and gloom right now. Doom and gloom right now is, is just is silly carry on. Everything's going fairly well. We're you know we're, we've got a good run going in Europe. We're doing well in the domestic cup that's that's currently ongoing. We've got a fairly favourable draw at home. West Ham are tough, but it's at home. So we're you know we're in a good position to win both of those competitions and get top four in the Premier League. And if we do that, I mean that's that alone is a great season. If we can add an FA Cup to that, then like, Jesus, what? That's one of the best seasons we'll have had in in since the eighties. You know, since since Bob Paisley and Joe Fagan were knocking around. So settle down, like just settle down. It's a bad day at the office. It'll happen. It'll happen again this season. It just will. We've had bad days this season. The results have just gone no way. It's amazing what what a goal here or there can do for people's perception. Because if Darwin taps home that easy chance. We win 2-1, we play the exact same way. We have a different conversation. Everybody else feels completely different. So, you know, it, it, but it doesn't alter how we played on the day. Um, so yeah, two-footed pod every day, daily red every day. Um, and that's it. Yeah, I'll talk to you all next week. You know, <laughs> it's interesting, Jim, isn't it? Uh, if that Darwin shot goes in, we're on 26 points level with Tottenham. We're a point behind City. Nobody gives a shit about Tottenham, really. Um, maybe that'll prove to be wrong if Ange Postacoglu turns out to be the second coming, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, and so it's a completely different reaction today. Even if we had a shit performance, we had a shit performance, but we got the point. The point that sort of edges us ahead. And I don't think these little things can be underestimated, especially in the weekend that's in it where Lego heads having such a go at the press and, uh, talking about the poor, how he's been so hard done to. And there we go. We just sneak ahead of them. It's like, fuck you, Lego head. And these moments, I think, are w- more important than what you may have seen. Which is, I just put a video into the th- chat thread there where I didn't get to have a look at this at all. But <laughs> absolutely Virgil's taken out. 
<laughs> he just is taken out. That's all there is that's going on. He may be helping himself a little bit, but he may be maximizing it a little bit, but there's no way the 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 bods in wherever they are know that. They can't interpret that. It should be, I would have thought, a penalty for us. So in different situation, on a different day, we're coming over three points and the conversations that some people seem to be having, like incessantly online about how we can't possibly ever win the league. As Dave says earlier on, does that really matter? We just got, we got to keep ourselves in the loop here, um, and keep winning, uh, on a regular enough basis. We did not concede. We did not capitulate to loss today, Jim. So maybe that's the thing that we take away from this. What are your final thoughts and what have you got coming up for us during the week? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've not got to kind of get too carried away. The frustration today yeah. is that if we'd have, if we'd have put a bit more in, we'd have got a lot more out and we didn't put enough in. Um, because we've done it time and time again this season where we, and, and in our good times in previous seasons as well, where we can go into a game not in our opinion, think, look, look at our team and think, God, we gave 100%, and yet we still come out with a win. Um, today, we didn't come out with a win. We came out with a draw, but it's still a draw. As you say, we move above Arsenal and the have-done-two team in the league table. Um, we're not that far away from City. Asking for us to win the league this season after what kind of season we had last time out, um, it's a big ask. And, you know, may, maybe, you know, back of your mind, you can dream about these things, but you shouldn't be kind of demanding these things. You know, we can dream about it. Um, who knows where we'll be? Because as Dave just sort of basically made me realize how close Christmas is with those little quick look at the coming fixtures. You know, by Christmas, we'll have a better idea of where we are, much better idea of where everybody is, because we'll all have at least maybe had our easier, so-called easy games, so-called more difficult games, and we'll have a better feel for where everyone is. Um, it's the frustration really is that, you know, if we go into these games where we're generally getting away with a draw or generally getting away with a win, imagine how much more we could get. Um, and yeah, we have been a bit hard on them today. I was feeling hard done to today. Um, going into the game, I had a cold all week, not felt great. Uh, had to uh, tackle some Ikea furniture, which sadly I still got a finish off. You know? And then you see, you see Luis Diaz come along, get that goal, lift his shirt up, you know, send the message out, you know, free my dad or whatever it was in Spanish. I don't, I think it was, uh, yeah, free, you know, he, he wanted freedom for his dad. And who blames it? I mean, that, that to me was a moment that I'll never forget in football. You know, there's these odd moments that you get in football. I hope to hell that he gets his wish. I hope to hell that his dad gets free soon. We all do. Um, but you know, it just puts, and it's that cliche, puts everything into perspective. You know, I've, I've not really had a bad day, have I? Um, we've got a point. We, we're really ahead of Arsenal. Um, and I've seen, and a nice emotional moment in football. Um, as far as what's coming up from me, well, hopefully me and Jay will get together this week and do a Scouts of Tommy's. We've not done one for a couple of weeks because I've been away and things, but um, hopefully this week we will do. We've got a hell of a lot to talk about. Um, probably the chanting. We still haven't really talked about the derby, so yeah, we've got plenty to talk about, and uh, that'll be hopefully out sometime this week. I look forward to it. I look forward to all of Dave's contributions uh, to the channel. It's like a kind of one man business machine is Dave with his, uh, not just once, but twice daily contributions to what we have. And when 
Jim and Jay get chatting, it's always good crack and it's always insightful. Uh, I really do actually appreciate the contributions of both of my contributors today to Raw. You heard Jim Boardman, you heard Dave Hendrick, I've been Trev Downey. It's been a weird day, um, but, you know, they're a weird lot. And at the end of the day, after all the drama, we're still ahead of Lego Head and his title favourites. So, you know what? Join us next time for Raw. You know what? It's coming. It's coming up very soon. It's going to be a European game. And if we win it, we're going to be in a great position. So we'll be there. Look forward to it. Can't wait to talk to you. See you then. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.